Broadcasting live to the world now. It's Sheila Zielinski. Sheila Zielinski Show, the only show to give you the truth behind the headlines, prophecy, and the deeper things of God. Now, here is your host, end-time watchwoman, Sheila Zielinski. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this Thursday, October 22nd, 2015 edition of the Sheila Zielinski Show. Thank you so much for tuning into the broadcast today, folks. I broadcast Monday to Friday. That's weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and on Saturday night at 11 p.m. Eastern on Worldwide Christian Radio and WINB. There is also a radio show archive tab on my website with the call-in number for that show at weekendvigilante.com. I just want to remind everyone that this Ministry and all these broadcasts are 100% listener funded. So please do prayerfully consider partnering with this ministry. And I thank you in advance for that. And for the new listeners, there's many tuned in tonight. If you have not got a copy of Green Gospel, the greatest fraud of our era, I do hope you get that book. The information in it is so important. And as Dr. Timothy Ball, the renowned climatologist, says in Green Gospel, Sheila Zielinski effectively demolishes most of what you think you know. And it really is the grandest fraud of our era, the greatest deception. And I do believe that this is one of the most important books that you can read. And all your friends out there that are running around saving the planet, it's very important, the information in this book. So again, get yourself a copy of Green Gospel by going to greengospel.ca. My guests tonight really need no introduction. The dynamic duo, Pastor David Langford from The Voice of Evangelism and Steve Quayle from stevequayle.com. Gentlemen, it is such an honor to have you back on the program. Welcome. Well, thank you, Sheila, and you're very kind to call us gentlemen. How about how about heralds in the wilderness calling everyone to repentance and a right relationship with Jesus as war breaks out in the church, in that which has called itself the church, on earth and in the heavens. We're, we're in a, a threefold court of war, and I think that's what David and I are going to talk about tonight. So, you know, what a pleasure, and I think it's um, amazing. Even just about an hour ago, I got an email from someone saying that he thanked Pastor Langford, and I sent it to David maybe two hours ago, saying, your word on compromise basically changed my entire life. As the word of God, is spoken under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, lives change. When the Word of God is used as a weapon against the brethren, nothing but strife, bitterness, and envy will result. So I'll turn it over to David, and David, take where you feel it is, and then, you know, we'll just do as we always do, go where the Holy Ghost leads us. Amen. It's a joy to be with you tonight, Sheila, and we again thank you for the opportunity to allow Steve and I to share the Word of God. You know, lately there's been so much confusion 
and it's because of people who are no longer spirit-led. Romans 8:14 simply says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they're called the sons of God. And I got an email, it was yesterday or the day before, of course, they're fighting and much contention over the Ten Commandments, the law, things like that. And I just emailed the gentleman back. I said, whatever happened to being led by the Holy Ghost? And this is the reason there's such tripe and confusion in the church, because people are becoming more secular relative to God's Word than spiritual. And when one possesses the Spirit of God, he's going to think spiritually. Romans 8, 5, uh, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace, because the carnal mind is enmity against God. It is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be so, then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. And so as I witness people falling for more false doctrine, more error, more mendacious teaching, I'm witnessing a lack of the Spirit of God, the manifest presence of the Holy Ghost in their lives, and because of that, they fall into error. Jesus was clear in John 16, 13, Howbeit, when he the Spirit of truth is come, he will guide you into all truth. And I know people uh, think Steve and I are arrogant, and we're bigoted, and we have the truth cornered. But that's not what's happening. What's happening is, we're teaching and preaching and ministering the Word through the leadership of the Holy Ghost, which Jesus said, He will guide you into all truth. And so the Spirit of God is not going to take anyone in a place or position or posture that is contrary to Jesus, the Lord's Christ. And that's why it's so imperative that we stay in the Spirit, and the Spirit will dictate what we say, what we teach, what we preach in the Word of God. Because Jesus said very clearly, He will not speak of Himself, but He will speak of me. So the Holy Ghost always speaks and points men to none other than Jesus, the Lord's Christ. He doesn't point men to Moses. He doesn't point men to the Torah. He points men to Jesus Christ. John 1, 17, For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. And when Paul said in Galatians 1, 11, But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man, for I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. Moses was a man. Jesus was not a man. Oh, he was man in, in, in the carnate flesh. But he was God. And so that's the emphasis should be on Christ, what he did at the cross, and thus Jesus, before he left, he said, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. And, of course, uh, Matthew twenty four fourteen, And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. So God has told us to preach the gospel and not that other stuff. Go ahead, Steve. Well, I think one of the fascinating things we're seeing, we're seeing, Sheila, and you know this well, and David, you're seeing it in your emails daily, and so am I, but there's a war going on within the church. You quoted, to be carnally minded is death. What we're living in right now is a, how do you say this, we're living in the age where there's either going to be the spirit of a living God giving us God's life, or we're going to succumb to everybody that wants us dead. What's amazing to me, and I want to be a little bit clearer, 
When Jesus said the whole world lies in the evil one, to my knowledge, he didn't say, accept this, accept that, accept this, accept that. No, by the way, I forgot this, that, and the other thing. Now, that may sound silly to some people, but, you know, it's like, it's like Bill Clinton, you know, defining his uh, mischief and his sin. Well, what do you mean by that? Or, you know, trying to define uh, obvious words like sex, okay? The point being is this, is that as we enter into this battlefield, the war is already in the congregation. The war is taking place within the Catholic Church. The war is taking place in the, the world of uh, Judaism. It's taking place in the Muslim world. It's taking place all over the planet. And what happens? Peace is taken from the earth. But the sad part is, is that where men of faith should walk in faith, there's too many people stirring up strife. I want to give you Proverbs 6, 16 through 19. David, this is what the Lord share with me. People don't believe the word of God, though they claim it to try and underpin their pet belief. These six things does the Lord hate. Yea, seven are an abomination unto him. A proud look, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked imagination, feet that be swift and running to mischief. And here it is a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that sows discord amongst a brother. Now, Sheila, if I said to you, what does it mean to be hated from God, or that God declares his hatred, what's the central theme of all those? I'm not trying to interview you, but, I mean, it's apparent. God wants his brethren to dwell in unity, his children to dwell in unity. So when you see and hear the, you know, Proverbs 6, 16 through 19, and you're more than aware, uh, Sheila, and actually, David, you and I could be called the email chronicles to Proverbs 6, 16 through 19. Whenever you speak the truth, Sheila Zelensky, when David Langford speaks truth based on the Word of God, when I speak the, when I quote the Scripture, people get mad at that. So, Sheila, seeing what you're seeing and asking David and I to come on tonight, when I read that, what does that say to your heart? Well, what it says to my heart is we'd better take this time serious, Steve, and get right with God. And that means, you know, how does faith come? It comes by hearing the word of God. And there's no other time in history. Jesus said there won't be anything like it again. We're in a, an absolute satanically induced hellish meltdown. We're spiraling at breakneck speed into this complete off-the-rail situation. And every day, Stephen David, is like a nature hike through Matthew 24, Luke 21, Mark 13, the book of Revelation, and the book of Daniel's all being rolled into one. And here we're walking out through this time that Jesus said, as you know, Steve, if the days weren't short and there'd be no flesh left alive. Daniel 12, as Pastor Langford knows, people are going ravening mad. The wickedness is increasing. Just that scenario was in the days of Noah. And now this is what we're watching, this exploding apostasy. The world is racing towards this momentous end time encounter. And yet the deepening antagonism, Steve, is really developing worldwide against conservative Christians. So this is a war that ultimately pits born-again Holy Spirit believers against religious Christians. And Steve, you see it every day on your website. There's a strong theme running through all this, and it is the absolute gull contempt for humanity that the evil one, Satan, and his fallen cohorts have for us in the image and likeness of God, isn't it? 
Well, absolutely, and I think that that's the war within the church, war upon the church, and war emanating against the church. But here's the thing. Proverbs 26, 20 through 22, where no wood is, there the fire goeth out. So where there is no tail bearer, the strife ceases. As coals are to burning coals and the wood to fire, so is a contentious man to kindle strife. The words of a tail bearer are his wounds, and they go down into the innermost parts of the belly. What's happening is strife is a fruit of uh, not the Holy Spirit. And David, in Galatians, where it talks about the contrast between the fruit of the Spirit and the, what would you say, the ramifications of the carnal mind, we're seeing more carnality than I've ever known it. And by the way, Sheila, you just really articulated it well. We are that point in history. It's no longer a prophetic looking forward to it. It's no longer notes in the Bible that that day will come. That day is here. So, David, you know, the fruits of the Spirit versus uh, the fruit of the flesh, and let's call it the rotten fruit of the flesh, I really believe, I used to say, Pastor Langford and I used to do talk radio years and years ago. Remember this question, David? I said, David, what is it going to take to get people to realize that we are in a time unlike any other, you know? You remember I used to say that all the time, and I used to ask you on talk radio, so go ahead and answer that, you know, because, again, we are seeing now full-scale war within that which calls itself Christendom. And I have never seen, Sheila, in my entire life, so many Christians saying, well, so-and-so says this about you, so-and-so says this about Pastor Langford. There is no discernment. And can I say something? Men who follow men, or women and men who follow men, will go off the cliff. But the standard should be the Scripture. Yet so few people have been taught the Word of God that they have no reference point. So then they go on blogs, or they go into the cybersphere, and what I call cyber assassination world. And character assassination is the order of the day. The devil knows this. He knows that... He'll have to fight the people of faith, but he also knows how to turn, what would you say, middle of the rotors on each other. And look, there is the fruit of the Spirit. Someone says, we're not judged, not lest you be judged. That's not what that means. The word judge means to sentence and that. But Paul said, they who are spiritual discern all things. So, David, go ahead and contrast, if you would, how you see it playing out in the church, because, you know, you get your more than fair share of Pharisees, Sadducees, and uh, donkeys, okay? <laughs> Pharisees, oh, Sadducees, yeah. and donkeys. Well, you know, Proverbs 13:10. Only by pride cometh contention. Proverbs 28:25. He that is of a proud heart stirreth up strife. I do not attack anyone. I don't attack people. I preach the word. But when I preach something that they disagree with, then they come and attack me because I have ruffled their feathers because my preaching of the Word, the entirety of the Bible, and trying to rightly divide it encroaches their heresy, their mendacities, their lies, whatever they might be, their false doctrine. And I had a lady the other day told me she'd only been a convert three years, and she's trying to straighten me out. After spending 37 years of my life in the Scriptures, she's trying to tell me where I'm missing the mark and not preaching the law. I mean, that is a babe in Christ, but because I'm not preaching the lies that she's listening to, and they are lies. They are apt. I'm so tired 
uh, a, a big plague patty cake with people, and it's not hurting people's feelings anymore. I've had it. I've had it, and I'm going to just start standing my ground, and I'm going to tell you, you're, you're, you're believing a lie, and you're going to be damned. Jesus did not say, make disciples of Moses. He said, make disciples of me. And you take my discipleship, and you go and you preach the gospel of Christ into all the world. Now, uh, Steve was talking about the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. Show me one of the Ten Commandments that speaks of redemption. One. Show me one commandment that talks about the shed blood of Jesus redeeming mankind. There is nothing there to tell you that. It just tells you you're a sinner, you're damned, and you're going to hell. So why didn't Jesus stone that woman called an adultery? Why, if he was to, to fulfill the law and keep preaching the law, why did he say, let him without sin cast the first stone? And they all dropped their rocks and they all walked away. Why didn't Jesus stone her? Because he was changing the protocol. You're now going to get grace and mercy. You're not going to get law anymore. You're going to get grace and mercy because this is a better covenant. But they don't see that. And, and something the Lord began to deal with me in the last few weeks was, was, was several verses which I've quoted, God knows, for hun hundreds of times, many, many years, when Jesus Christ returns. The Bible says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 7 and 8, And to you who are troubled, rest with us, when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven, with his mighty angels and flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. First Peter four seventeen. For the time is come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall be the end of them who obey not the gospel of Jesus Christ? And he's, he's beginning to show me, this is all about the gospel, the good news. And if you have not obeyed the gospel, he's going to come in flaming fire and damn every soul with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord. And if the righteous are scarcely saved, who have who've embraced the gospel of Jesus Christ, what will happen to the ungodly and the sinner, Peter said? And it's all about... What shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? And so I, I, I've concluded, uh, Romans 1.16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation. And this one thing I've picked up on about all these Yahweh, Sabbath heretics, they're modern-day Judaizers, there's one thing they never preach. And that's the baptism in the Holy Ghost. They never talk about the Spirit of God. They never talk about the gifts of the Spirit. They never talk about being immersed in the Spirit of God. They never talk about going deeper in the, the spiritual things of God. It's always the superficial, top-of-the-ground the uh, stuff. It never go deep into the Word of the Lord. This, this mystique of the Gospel that Paul spoke of in... Uh, and uh, Romans sixteen twenty five. Now, unto him that is of power to establish you, according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery which has been kept secret since the world began. This actually started before Jesus Christ was slain from the foundations of the world, the gospel. And the first presentation of the gospel was Melchizedek to Abraham through communion with serving bread and wine. And then you go into the 
uh, Mosaic law. Then you have Jesus comes on the scene. What does he do to the disciples? He serves them bread and wine and says, this wine is my blood, now this bread is my body. So you've got a bookend of Melchizedek on one side, the Mosaic law in the middle, and on the other bookend you've got the gospel. Jesus Christ said, I am that bread. So I, I want what's on both ends, not what's in the middle. The beginning and the end. I'm Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. It's not what's in the middle. It's how you begin. It's how you end. And, and this is what people don't get today. And that's why you got such, I've, I've never witnessed so much carnality. Somebody the other day told me I was gutless and wanted to come beat my butt. Wow. Now can you, and, but they're a Christian. They wanted to fight me. I physically fight me because I'm not preaching or doing what they think I should do. And I'm thinking, what kind of a Christian is that? But you know what it spoke to my heart? They wanted to kill Lazarus because Jesus raised him from the dead. They wanted to stone Paul the Apostle, they let him down in the basket out of the city. The Judaizers wanted to kill him. He said in Galatians 4.16, Am I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? I mean, it's the, the so-called professing Christians that's going to try to kill us. That's what they intend to do. That's the same spirit of Ishmael. That's what it is. It's the spirit of Ishmael. They're never at rest. They're never at peace. And they're never at harmony in their own walk with God because they can't obtain it through works. So they're always missing a gear. They're always missing a level. They're always missing a plateau. Why? They're trying to do it through works. And when you look at your works, it's like, oh, my God. You know, Isaiah said, he's preached five chapters in Isaiah 5, calling them rulers of Sodom, people of Gomorrah, how they're such an awful nation. Then when he sees Jesus and his train and glory fill the temple, he says, now, woe is me. Woe is me. Why? Because as he saw the glory of God, it reflected his debasement in his own life. And he says, woe is me. So, you know, this is, this is the problem. The Spirit, Paul, Paul said to the church at Galatia, did you receive the Spirit of God by the law or by faith? That's why he said, how did you begin in the Spirit? Now you go back and end up in the flesh. I'm telling you, these people are carnally minded to the hilt. That's why there's such strife and contention and confusion, and they fillet everything and everybody they come in contact with. And regretfully, Sheila, uh, you'll get bombarded and castigated for this very program. Well, it's funny you were reading in Isaiah 6 there, and it really paints a picture of him seeing God in all his glory. And you mentioned there, he said, woe is me. Well, obviously, it's pretty clear in that picture that he's getting into the presence of God. And the presence of God will make people feel convicted. It's like when you get into God's light, you're starting to see where you're missing the mark, you want to get things right. But when you stay out, you become lukewarm. People are not talking to God, Pastor Langford. And God no. gives us specific illustrations of the gift of the Holy Spirit. But people thumb their nose at the living God of heaven. But anointing breaks the yoke. And I think that's where people are missing it. Because look at there is a famine in the land for the word of God. People are biblically anemic. They're starving because, well, as Steve says so adequately, you know, they're getting this genetically modified mush from the cerebral cesspool. And that is quite stunning, isn't it, Steve? Well, it is stunning because here's the deal. People have got to learn the foundational principles of the Word of God. The primary man I credit with teaching me the foundation principles of God, among so many others, is Derek Prince. And so when people call me, now the reason I'm bringing his name up is because he had a thing called the Foundation Series. People are trying to build with no foundation. People are correcting and rebuking and scolding. And by the way, David, if he just wants to punch you out, I, I wish the guy would listen to me. Sir, you will lose in that fight. I know my brother. 
I promise you, Sheila, people have tried to draw me into every form of violence they can. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this to your family. And to stand under is the most difficult thing, okay? People say, well, why don't you answer all your critics? I will with, with what the Lord tells me. The Lord got to heaven rebuke them. And I say that. People say, well, who do you think you are? An absolute no one, a sinner saved by grace, but someone who has been charged with the gospel and preaching the good news of Jesus Christ. I maintain, you show me a fellowship where Jesus is uplifted, where the Holy Spirit is acknowledged, where there's genuine repentance and brokenness for sin. And I'll tell you this, I'll say, I can't tell you when, but I said, God will move in that situation. The, those who sow the flesh are going to reap the flesh. So when John A., supposedly a Christian who's been in heaven for nine hours, gets a hold of, of skeptic B, C, D, and E all jump on board, and the guy that's the biggest promulgator is not even claiming to be a Christian or know Jesus Christ, it is amazing to me, because if someone would have been in heaven for nine hours or eight hours or whatever, they certainly should be able to have discerning of spirits. You know, it's interesting, because this is what, and I think, did I say this, David, with you on Doug Hagman's show? How do I say this? Uh, I, I said, First uh, Corinthians 3, 2 through 4, I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able. For ye are yet carnal, for whereas there is among you envy, strife, divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? This for one saith, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Paul, are ye not carnal? You know what's amazing? Uh, David, King David said, Let the man whom the Lord has redeemed declare so, say so. Yet all these people are trying to say, Well, so-and-so says this. Well, so-and-so pastor says this. I don't care about what so-and-so. I just wish the so-and-so would sew their lips shut. You know, <laughs> uh, I'm talking figuratively, but maybe they should mummify their mouths, okay? Anybody's ever seen a mummy or a, um, a shrunken head and, and Ecuador from the Hilaro Indians, they always sewed the uh, lips shut. If people would begin to say, where's the fruit? Are these people preaching Jesus? Are people coming to know the Lord Jesus Christ? Are people being set free from their sins? Are people being filled with the Holy Spirit? David, would you claim, or not claim, but didn't people, uh, over three people, say they've been getting the Holy Ghost, just even listening to what you've been Amen. teaching? Amen. Yeah. So, Sheila, here's the thing. The carnal mind. And what's the hardest thing for me to articulate and to really get off my heart, and, and I feel like I failed. And when I say I failed, I don't mean a personal failure, but I mean in the context of judging by the fruit, I feel like sometimes all these words just go out against a wall. And David, you know this. A lot of people tune in especially to either fault you condemn you or mock you, ridicule, they tune in to Sheila because she's a strong voice for the Lord Jesus Christ. And when they can't attack the message, they attack the messenger. If I could pray for one thing tonight, if God would grant me one supernatural answer to prayer, I would ask the Lord to show everyone listening to this radio show the spirit behind those who will immediately rise up to criticize Everybody I'm praying for, Sheila, everybody I'm praying for, David, uh, whether it's in an email prayer or uh, laying hands on people. Some people come into my store, and the Holy Ghost says, pray for them now. 
Well, sometimes it's not convenient, but I've learned the word now doesn't mean maybe, doesn't mean when I feel like it, doesn't mean next week, next year, or, you know, next decade. Now means now. So the point that I'm trying to make is this. To as many are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And, and I said this. This is what I heard in prayer one day in my shower. I was, you know, just in not a very happy mood, or joyful, I should say. I, joy had escaped me. But I heard the Lord say to me, Steve, if people, if my people took me seriously and my words seriously, how many would even believe when I said, unless you confess me before men, I will not confess you before my Father which is in heaven? Pastor Langford, did not Jesus say that? Amen. And so say, and, and obviously I know the answer, Sheila, so do you. But so many people don't get it. You see, I maintain that when the name of Jesus Christ was uh, excluded from the pulpit, diluted from the pulpit, ridiculed, mocked, and scorned, and the people who claimed to be Christians would not stand up, did not even have the cojones or the conviction, the two C's, okay, cojones and conviction, to speak out. I get emails, I'm sure you do too, Sheila, it's like people are rooting for us but that's not the key. The key is to start doing what they're doing, and as Hebrews said, seeing we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us run the race. In other words, we don't need them to cheer us. We need them to cheer for Jesus. And when I say Jesus, I am talking about the biblical Jesus, the Son of the living God, the Redeemer of mankind, the Good Shepherd, every single thing that, that the Lord has manifested. Jesus said, if you see me, you've seen the Father. Well, now there are people that deny the Holy Spirit. Now there are people denying this, denying that, denying everything. And I don't see where ultimately denial will lead to their damnation. Because unless people understand the weight of the Word of God, I mean, the burden of the Lord is, is easy, but nevertheless, it's a burden. And, and David, it's like the Scripture says, who has believed our report? Go ahead, well, sir. That's, that, that's the key. And believing, embracing, and rightly dividing the Word of God. We, we quote it all the time, 2 Timothy 3, 16, 17, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and instruction in righteousness, that the man of God might be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. When we fall into error, doctrinal error, if we keep seeking the Word of God, it will correct, that's what Paul said, the Scriptures will correct us. Say, I've been corrected on a lot of things since I became a Christian because I've, I've, I've immersed myself in the Word, and the Word interprets the Word, and it's, it's, it's like a, a cellular body. It all begins to link one to another and come together and form the being of Christ. And, and so when you start growing, you start maturing, you start getting into the deeper things of God. And, and that's the problem with most people. They're not going deeper. They're getting more shallower by the day because only the Holy Ghost can take you deeper, and no man can teach you or take you any deeper than he's been himself personally. You cannot tell someone about the baptism in the Holy Ghost and not be baptized. You see, you can't tell people about the gifts of the Spirit 
and never have operated in the gifts of the Spirit. It's like trying to tell a blind man from birth what a glorious sunset looks like. He has no reference point. You, you can sit there and describe all you want to describe, but there's no reference point. Why? He's never seen anything. And people who've never been filled with the Holy Ghost have not seen hardly anything in the kingdom of God. Look at the, the naivety, and we'll be gracious here with Nicodemus. Jesus said, you must be born again. He said, how do I get into my mother's womb the second time? No reference point. No reference point at all. He's, he, he's totally carnally minded, trying to figure out, how am I going to get back into my mother's body and come out again and be born again? I'm already an adult male. But, but see, he was so, and he, here's, he was a, a teacher, a, a, a leader of the Jews, but no insight, no insight whatsoever. And this is what you've got. As you alluded to there in, in 1 Corinthians 1, one says, I'm of Paul, one says, I'm of Apollos, another says Cephas, and Cephas, of course, is Peter. He said, is Christ divided? No. And then he went and said, I thank God I didn't baptize any of you. Well, now you've got people saying, well, you've got to be water baptized to be saved. Well, if that's so important, why didn't Paul baptize a lot of people? He said, I baptized two, Crispus and Gaius, and possibly the house of Stephanus. Other than that, he said, I didn't baptize anybody else. Well, if it's so important, why did the man that gave us 13 epistles not do more of it? I mean, it's total chaos. It's total confusion. And it's because people are not in the Word of God. And you can't make them get in it. You know, I've always prayed, Matthew 5 and 6, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. I've always prayed, God create in me a hunger for you and your word. I pray God make me hungry for him. Make me thirsty for him. Because the more hungry you get for him, the more thirsty you get for him, the greater you will pursue him. But when you don't have a hunger, you know, my grandma, she raised me, her, my, my granddaddy, and I love to come home from school and go across the street, get me a, a soda or get me a popsicle. And she'd bust my tail if I got anything like that before dinner. I, and I couldn't understand why as a kid. She said, it'll run your appetite. You won't want anything good to eat. You fill up on junk. Well, as a kid, you don't understand that. But as you grow up, you realize why, because that will curb your appetite for the, for the meat and the potatoes and the, the, uh, the, uh, the, the, the squash and the cucumbers and the, the greens and, and the biscuits. It, it deters all of that. Why? I don't want it now. Well, this is what's happened to the church. They've been fed cotton candy. They don't care about the meat. And Paul said, I can't feed you meat. You'll, you'll choke to death because you've been on the milk so long, the meat of God's Word will, will kill you. It will, it will choke you to no end. And so if people would get hungry for God again, this is what brings revival. Revival doesn't come because God pours out of His Spirit. Revival comes when men get hungry for God and start seeking God, and that creates God's willingness to then pour out of His Spirit. Every great revival that's ever been any place in the whole world is when a group of people got together and just started seeking God, whether it's in a barn, uh, in an old school, or an old church building, and just started going and praying and seeking God, and, and a fire began to burn, and, and it began to burn more and more, and all of a sudden God began to move. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, you might correct me here, Steve, but the Welch revival, they started seeking God, the bars started closing down because conviction was so great on men's lives, they quit buying liquor. What started that? 
men and women just begin to get on their knees and call out to God. And this is when we've had tremendous moves, just like Azusa Street, which really began in the Appalachian Mountains here in North Carolina and Tennessee. That's where Pentecost began. It wasn't in California. It was taken to California, but it was birthed in, 18, in the early 1880s right here in North Carolina. And that's why you have all these major Pentecostal denominations in Cleveland, Tennessee. But this is where it started. And you know what it was? It was Baptist. It was Methodist. It was Presbyterians that began to pray and seek God. And the hatred against those people that abandoned their denominations, they were so still fearful of God. You need to be, read the book Like a Mighty Army. They would go to the old log cabin churches and dismantle them and take them down log by log because they didn't want to end their praying and seeking God. Well, they got more bold as the years went on. The Spirit of God began to move. Then they started burning the churches down. But there was no such thing as, quote-unquote, Pentecostals. It was Baptists. It was Methodists. It was Presbyterians. It was Lutherans that began to receive the Holy Spirit of God, and that's where we came with this movement. And, and today, it's all swept away, and nobody preaches it, nobody teaches it. And like Joy Osteen, you know, God didn't call me to preach against sin. I'm going to preach you fluff and stuff. And I want you to feel good. And his latest book, to me, is blasphemy. The power of I am. And he's not talking about the I am that talked to Moses. He's talking about the I am of self. That is self-idolatry. You'll never walk in the Holy Ghost when you idolize yourself. I don't care who you are, what you are. If you're pastoring 100,000 people on Sunday morning, when you idolize yourself, that's a God before the living God. Steve, you were on a program with me, and Tom Horn said, and I'll never forget this, if my grandfather walked in a church today, he would run out screaming with this cult. I mean, you're right. It's shallow. It's lukewarm. It's vile. It's politically correct. But David, we're never meant as the church to be politically correct. The church is always going to be salt and light. The true church opposes sin. The true church isn't unequally yoked with unbelievers. What communion has light with darkness? We're to reprove the sodomites and the abortionists. We're not to embrace them. We're supposed to tell them they're wrong, that their sin is separating them from God. If any man calls a brother a fornicator, covetous, idolaters, railers, drunkards, extortioners, we're not even supposed to eat a meal with these people. Pastor Langford can attest to this because we did a show called Pre-Trib versus Post-Trib Rapture and the Hebraic roots. And I'll tell you, I have never seen the kind of comments on the threads on those YouTube videos in my life. Vile is not even the word. It was actually shocking to me. We were relegated to the depths of the damned by these so-called Christians. It's so vile. I can't even repeat this, Steve. Well, uh, yeah, and here's the thing. Everybody quotes to me, you know, after yeah, 25 years or whatever on talk radio, uh, 43 years being saved, you know, blessed are you when all men speak evil of you for my name's sake. Then they quote, uh, be strong and of good courage. Most of the time they're anonymous or they use pseudonyms, okay? So what's good for the goose, and, and I, I love it. Somebody once said, Coyle has such thin skin, he ought to just shut up. Thin skin? David, you know me. 
do you believe I'm thin-skinned, or do you believe that because, and I mean, you know, forgive me, I'm not putting you on the spot, but when people accuse someone of being thin-skinned, number one, they hide their identity, number two, or they're braggadacious and, and their bravado exceeds their biblical understanding and knowledge, why is it so difficult for people to understand that strife is not the Spirit of God? I, I didn't finish what I was going to say a little earlier. When I was praying about this and the whole situation, Lord, what is going on? How do I deal with those who call themselves your people? I don't know how to deal with them, Lord, because they're, how do I say this? They're saying one thing, but doing everything another. And look, I could go on and rail about all my critics. I won't do it. Because God didn't tell me to rail on my critics. He told me to lift up my son. He said, if you'll lift up Jesus, I'll draw the people unto me. And that's exactly what we're seeing. David Langford and I, you, Sheila, when you lift up Jesus, people come. I, it is so overwhelmingly a blessing to see someone basically saying, uh, uh, you know, for, for instance, I, re, I just referred to it. They listened to Pastor Langford and I talking about, and David was talking about compromise. Instantly, I got convicted. I've seen in my life where I've compromised, okay? I'm working at it, not to compromise in any way, shape, or form. But when the Lord says, stand up, speak up, and stand your ground, you know, well, that's when we have to stand up, speak up, and stand our ground. I want to give you the titles of Osteen's book, okay? Now, I want to make something clear. I'm not judging him. I believe out of his own mouth he's denied Jesus Christ. Go on YouTube and check out the Larry King interview with Joel Osteen. Larry King asked him over three times, does a person have to know Jesus Christ to be saved? And, you know, well, Larry, you know, there's just some judgment calls I'm not prepared to make. Okay, your best life now. Jesus said if any man would want to find his life, he must what? Deny himself that pick up his cross and follow me. Become a better you. We are all sinners apart from the grace of God. It's not the old creation, but the new creation that basically is recreated by the power of the living God, by the infusion of the Spirit of God, and by the direction and leading of the Holy Spirit. In other words, we stand down and we surrender our life to Jesus Christ. How about this? You can, you will. And I saw the fact that he said, the power of I am. Blasphemy is the only word I know. Do you remember also when his wife made the statement and refused, what would you say, recanted or withdraw it, that we don't praise God for his glory, we praise him for our glory. Yeah. The scripture, everybody in the world should have stood up and say, I behold, I am the Lord thy God, and my glory will I not share with another. Isn't that what the scripture says, Pastor Langford? Amen, amen. What Sheila said in, in First Corinthians, she quoted First Corinthians five and eleven. But now I have written unto you not to keep company. If any man that is called a brother be a fornicator, covetous, idolater, railer, drunkard, or extortioner, with such a one do not eat. For what have I to do to judge them also that are without? Do not ye judge them that are within? So we have the right to judge in the confines of the church, the body of Christ, and make that determination if that's a drunkard or a fornicator or whatever. We don't so much as eat with them. Now, little Joy Osteen goes and supports the lesbian mayor of Houston at her wedding. Now, he's violated that scripture. You see, this is the problem. He don't even probably know that verses in the Bible because he doesn't seek the Bible. He seeks 
philosophically. He, he seeks by uh, speculation instead of observational. You don't speculate the Word of God. You honor and you observe the Word of God, but you don't speculate the Word of God because that's what he's doing. And so when you preach a verse just like Sheila brought up, well, I've never read that before. Is that what that, That's exactly what that means. And it says you are to judge. And if you look up this krino, the word judge there in the Greek is krino. It means to distinguish, i.e., that means to decide mentally or judicially, to try to condemn, to punish, to conclude, or even to damn. So you conclude that that's what this person is, and you say, I can't have fellowship with that. Matter of fact, I was asked to go on a radio program this, uh, this week, and I emailed the person back. I said, with all respect, because of discord and clamor, I cannot do it. I've not done radio programs. I've sent offerings back to people. I'm not for sale. If I told everything I did, people say, I don't believe half that stuff. doesn't matter to me whether they believe or not, but I've got to keep my integrity, and I can't afford to get caught up in this stuff. And that's all it is, is stuff and junk. And, and if I keep preaching the purity of God's Word, I will continue to be attacked. But like Steve said there in Matthew 5:11, blessed are you when men shall revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil falsely. It's false accusation. That's Revelation 12 and 9, the accuser of the brethren, Satan. It's false accusation. It's false innuendo. It's not true. But that's the problem with everybody that's on the Internet and all these chat rooms. They're listening to all this discord, disdain, and, and contempt and gossip, and it gets in your spirit. This is what people don't understand. These are spirits that are working, lying, seducing spirits. When you subject yourself to that garbage, it gets into your spirit. I've thrown letters away at the post office. God said, don't even put it in the car. Don't even take it back to the office. Put it in the trash can here at the post office. I could sense the evil. And, and if I would open it up and read it, that's how I learned it. I would open it up and read it, and it would get in my spirit, and it would agitate me, and it would cause me to, to be ill. And, and it's the devil. He, these spirits are, are traveling. They're moving. They're going places. And they're inspired by Satan himself. And so they write this, or they email this, or they say this. And they have no idea... They're being used of the devil. Second Corinthians 2.11, Paul said, Lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Many people are so ignorant, they've become a device for the devil. He said, don't be ignorant of Satan's devices. They have become a device for Satan, and they can't see it. And, of course, when you preach the Word of God, or you teach the Word of God with authority, oh, now you become their enemy. But I try to preach a balanced dietary program of God's Word from A to Z so that we get a balanced walk, a balanced talk, a balanced life, and that's what gro causes growth and maturity in God. But if you eat too much of this and not enough of this, there's going to be an imbalance in your life. And, and today, everybody's got a specialty. Well, I got a, a faith ministry. I got a, a, a healing ministry. I got an anointed ministry to raise money. I mean, what are you buying? This is garbage. Either I'm anointed or I'm not anointed. You see, we're not talking about gifts. There are different gifts. There's nine gifts of the Spirit. But they say, I'm anointed. Well, what they don't understand, the anointing is the Holy Ghost, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost. They don't have the Holy Ghost. That's why I know they're lying, because the Holy Ghost is the anointing. But see, they can't see that. 
go ahead. I don't want to take too much time. Well, you mentioned balance. We, we are to preach the full counsel of God. And, of course, Steve, you forgot Howdy Doody Osteen's all-time cult classic, Every Day is a Friday, because... That's what Jesus said, go out and tell the world and make every day a Friday. Because as you've said, Pastor David, you're classically coined, God is your bellhop, right? No. So it's not surprising that we're rebuked for the truth. I mean, look at when Jesus raised that woman that was bound over in Luke 13. The Pharisees rebuked Jesus and you got, you know, what are you doing? You got six days, you could be doing this. You loose this woman on the Sabbath. He rebuked the light, which was Jesus Christ. So you see that conflict right there in the synagogue. And that's what we're witnessing, really, David and Steve, every day. And I really believe that's why people are struggling so greatly, because if you walk in the flesh, you are not going to be able to really handle the trials and temptations and tribulations that the oppressor is handing us. And that's why I think there's more and more distress of nations. But this is the thing. All of this is foretold, isn't it, Steve? Well, it is, and, and, you know, people argue about, is this great tribulation? By the way, all the people that were claiming the rapture was going to happen on the 21st, 25th, 28th, during the Shemitah, during the blood moons, you know. (laughs) Bottom line is, for the record, and I I want to share this, none of that, none of that did I discuss. I even put up a, uh, because it was irrelevant to me, okay? I felt the Holy Ghost saying, keep your eyes on Jesus, Steve not the events, because the events, see, everyone's looking for an event, but like David said, they don't understand the resurrection. The resurrection is Jesus Christ. It's not Buddha, it's not Krishna, it's not Krishna, it's not a, a million and one different uh, 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 demons, you know, it is Jesus Christ. Let me, let me give you something good for tonight, because this is something that Romy sent me, and, you know, it was out of intercession, and to be honest with you, my computers have been hacked, messed with. Everything that could have attacked me in the last 48 hours has. But here's the way to know the difference between the Spirit of God and the enemy. God, he stills us, he stills you. I'll just put it in the you sense. He reassures you, he leads you, he enlightens you, he forgives you, he calms you. He encourages and he comforts you. The Holy Spirit is our comforter. And I maintain that if people would seek the power of the Holy Spirit in their life and give, uh, how do I say this, God the, the glory due his name, be a lot less people who are Christians on Prozac or any of the other uh, psychotropic drugs. And by the way, there are a lot of Christians on Prozac, okay? Satan, how does Satan do this? Satan rushes us, he scares us, frightens us, pushes us, confuses us, condemns us, stresses us, discourages us, and worries us. Now I want to jump everything to Jeremiah, take everyone to Jeremiah 12, 5 through 6. This is a, this is probably the most important scripture in my mind. Not that they're not all important, you know, I, I have a favorite scripture for the moment, not for the day, not for the year, because it's whatever God quickens at the time he quickens it, that's my favorite at that point. But it says this, if you've run with the footmen and they've wearied thee, then how can you contend with horses? And if in the land of peace wherein you trusted they wearied thee, how wilt thou do in the swelling of Jordan? For even your brother and the house of your father, even they have dealt treacherously with thee. Yea, they have called a multitude after thee. Believe them not, though they speak fair words unto thee. That 
Jeremiah just covered almost 99% of political speak, okay? Now look at this. For even thy brethren and the house of thy father, even they have dealt treacherously with thee. It's talking about a family, and it's also talking about the family of God. The image I see is this. We are right there right now. The little things that make us crazy aren't even, even how should I say this, chartable or in the realm of what's soon to come against us. How can you, how can, you know, if, if, you're, if you run against a footman and they're better at running than you are, you're tired. But what about the horses? And it says, in the land of peace wherein thou trusted, they worried thee. Then how are you in the swelling of Jordan? What that's literally talking about is when the enemy's behind you, he surrounds you, and in front of you is an insurmountable river. There's only one answer to that. And, and I, you know, you know, Jesus isn't only the bridge over troubled water. I once heard somebody preach a crummy sermon on that. And I, I you know, David, um, I couldn't hold my peace at times. But the bottom line, well, all the time, but <laughs> is it, he, he not only the, he, that's corny. You know, that's a Simon and Garfunkel song. God is the one who created the heavens and the earth. Uh, heaven is his throne, the earth is his footstool. And so the trivialization of the gospel has brought about the divorce between the Redeemer and the object of his love, affection, and, and that's the reestablishment of the second Adam. So if you've run with the footmen and they've wearied thee, and isn't that what's happening right now? And David, doesn't the scripture teach that the enemy's tactic in the last days will be wear out the saints? Go ahead. Absolutely, and I'm going to give it back to Sheila because I know we're getting close to the end, but you talk about the Simon Garfunkel song. You got Carmen years ago who took the Budweiser commercial and said, this blood is for you. And I thought, how disgusting that they get their inspiration from the world and not from the Bible or, or the Holy Ghost. You see, that, that is nothing but carnally minded. And preaching and singing songs that are secular, that's, all that, that's, that's bringing secularism into the body of Christ and preaching that stuff. I've never preached a sermon that was titled after uh, Simon and Garfunkel and never sang a song that was after a beer commercial. And people think this is all right. That man, all, both of them should have been, like you said, rebukes. That's an apostasy to the, to the hilt to do something like that. That's an apostate. But nobody says anything. Well, Carmen was you know, guest hosting for TBN. But it, see, it's all about money and numbers, just so we can get the crowd you know, we don't have a large ministry. We don't have a large following. You know why? Because we preach a straight and a narrow way, and few there be that find it. So I, I learned a long time ago that there would be just a few, a handful, that would stand with us and embrace what we preach. So it doesn't bother me when I don't have the big numbers. Jesus didn't either. They left him. They, they turned and followed him no more because he said, you're going to have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And it was a hard saying. And he turned to the twelve and said, will you also go away? He's lost people left and right because they won't take the truth and say this is what the way we must go because it's hard. Sheila, I'm going to give it to you. Well, on a final note, I was in a meeting last year and I was praying over this man and I bound up this spirit of infirmity in this guy and he got instantly delivered and healed and later he came up to me and he said, I want to tell everyone about the Lord's power. Do you have any literature? Do you have any tracks on healing? And I had it in my Bible and I said, yeah, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they're the best tracks on healing. The word, <laughs> Praise God. The word is the answer to it all. All lack of faith is due to not feeding on the Word of God. And that's 
really how people can enter into a life of faith, feeding on the living God. Pastor David and Steve, thank you so much for coming on the program tonight. Thank you. Well, blessings to you, Sheila, and thank you for dealing with these subjects that are important subjects. And may the Lord uh, literally watch over his word tonight that was shared and may the spirit of the living God convict so that there be genuine repentance, because in genuine repentance, the result will be refreshing and restoration, but also a greater appreciation for Jesus Christ. Sheila, good night. Hey, David, good night. Thank you. Amen. Thanks, gentlemen. Folks, that was Steve Quayle from stevequayle.com and Pastor David Langford from thevoiceofevangelism.com. Both those websites are linked there at weekendvigilante.com. And if you have not read Pastor Langford's book, Revelation 13 Revealed, do get it. That is one of my favorite books. It is so timely. It lays out Revelation like I've never seen anyone do. It is such a good book. And of course, Steve Quayle wrote the foreword to Tom Horn's book, Blood on the Altar, The Coming War, Christian versus Christian. That really is where we're at. So do get a copy of Blood on the Altar. Such an incredible compilation of authors. And it really denotes the season that we're living in. If you have not got a copy of Green Gospel, my book, very timely information. And as the renowned climatologist Timothy Ball says, Sheila Zelinsky in her book, Green Gospel, effectively demolishes what you think you know. It is a very, very important book because it's the grandest hoax, the biggest fraud of our era, and it's really important information. So again, get yourself a copy of Green Gospel by going to greengospel.ca. And finally, I want to mention, get out to Augusto Perez's event, The Appearance Ministries. That's right. They're going to be in Florida. That's Live Oak, Florida, November 13th, 14th, 15th. I'm going to be there. I'd love to meet you. This is going to be a very powerful event. Augusto Perez, to me, is like a modern-day Smith Wigglesworth. He is very anointed, and I believe that God is going to move in a profoundly powerful way at this event. So do get out to Light in the Darkness, the event, a foreshadowing of His glory, November 13th, 14th, 15th. If you go to my website, weekendvigilante.com. It's linked there on the right-hand side. And if you have not signed up for my podcast, do so by going to my website. All the Radio Show Archive tabs are up on the menu. And if you have not got my app, please do so. Go to the App Store and download the Sheila Zielinski app. And tomorrow on the program from Texas, Ms. Carla Butod, powerful minister, talking about what I believe is one of the most important subjects, soul ties, what they are, how you can be set free from soul ties. This is a very important topic. I believe that 99% of people that are having problems, I think it's soul ties. And we're going to get into that tomorrow. It's going to be a really good show. Thank you so much for taking the time to tune into the program tonight. See you tomorrow. Good night and God bless.